Well, hello, and welcome back to another scary, scary edition of Ghost Stories Told from the South. I am your host, Stephen LeBooth, and I got some creepy, creepy, scary stories for you. How is everybody? Sorry I am late doing this. Uh... I am a football junkie. I like college football, and I was watching all the championship games this weekend. And I had some family come over, and we had a little shindig, so my bad. But I'm back. I'm here. I didn't go anywhere, and I promise they will be on Saturdays, and I'll keep them content that way, guys. But, yeah, I had a good time. Had a good time. Had a bonfire going Telling some creepy stories and stuff to the kiddos, trying to scare them. Other than that, it was a good weekend. I hope you had a great weekend. Like I said, sorry I'm late. And want to say thank you once again to everybody for the downloads and the uh, followers. Uh, numbers are growing. So, it's awesome. And at the end of the show, I'm going to do the uh, podcast wrap-up. Because... Uh, if you're on Spotify, and this is where you're hearing it, you know you get the end of the year wrap-up, and it tells you what podcast you listen to, what genre of music, what artist you listen to the most, yada, yada, yada. Well, it does that too for uh, people who make the podcast. And it gives you in end of the year of what countries heard from you, um, which episode was the best, yada, yada, yada. So... I'm going to do that, too, at the end of the episode, so uh, stay tuned for that. And today, we're going to go to old Scotland and go look up some scary stuff over there. So, without further ado, go get you a blanket, a nice warm blanket. Get you some hot coffee or some hot tea or whatever you prefer. Get cozy by the fire. Because Stephen LeBooth is going to scare you. <laughs> All right. Our first story we have is the Severals Hospital. Oh, in England. I'm sorry. This one's in England, not Scotland. Anyways. Well, yeah, they're kind of mixed. They're kind of like in England. Uh, wait a minute. I'm on the, yeah, I'm on the right one. Okay. Well, these aren't in Scotland. What the, oh. Uh, okay, okay. These, uh, I'm, I take that back. That's, <laughs> I went a little too far reading ahead in my notes. I got <laughs> in my stuff together. These stories are still of England. We're going to finish up the hospitals in England. And the, uh, well, they, these are kind of like around the world, really. But we're going to finish these up. And then after that, then we'll be in Scotland. But not today. So my bad. I'm sorry for that. But let's get this sucker going. What do you say? 
All right, our first story is, like I said, Severals, sorry, Severals Hospital in England, bloody old England. Okay. The town of Clockster, once the capital of, of Rome, Britain, is rich with history. From Cluster's Castle to the largest surviving Norman castle in Europe. To the massive jumbo water tower built in 1883 on the outskirts of the town. However, lies a haunting remnant of Clockster's past. The ruins of Severals Hospital. Built in 1910... The 300-acre asylum once housed more than 2,000 patients. Designed on the popular Econoline plan of asylum construction, the hospital was composed of wards, offices, and services, and service rooms linked together by corridors. The results was a the result was a sprawling complex of interconnecting buildings where one would work for hours without ever stepping aside. Windows pierced the corridors that linked these buildings. Intentionally, the window frames had no glass, exposing the passageways to the elements. An accounts from one former nurse claimed that bats haunted the nooks and crinices of these open air spaces, often startling and order often startling the orderlies and causing them to run screaming down the halls. Wards are originally separated by sex at Severals Hospital, with some of these earlier female patients admitted by their own family members after giving birth to illegitimate children or suffering sexual sexual assault. So basically back then if you had a like a pregnant teenager, your kid was 16, 17, whatever, got pregnant, well that's where they would send them back then. They was it was kind of a messed up cuz they would send you there just you know, just to keep you away cuz you were a um, outcast to the family. Uh, where was I at? Where was I? Wards, okay. Ticka, 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 patience, attention, okay. I hate this when I stop and talk to you guys and I lose my place. Okay. Psychi- psychiatrics were said to have had free range to experiment with treatments, which means they could do anything they wanted because they was doing it under the name of science, experimenting on these poor people. Many of their, uh, many of their posteriors seem barbaric today, including electro, con, con, electric shock therapy and a frontal lobotomies 
And we've already said what the lobotomies are. I don't know what these people were thinking, giving lobotomies to people, because all I did was make them brain dead and like vegetables. Currently, sev uh, severals could be served. Yet some patients viewed that viewed their time at the hospital it, uh, not that fondly. Then as a positive experience during a difficult time. Uh, a sickness was placed on the hospital, on the sprawling grounds and it and its role in patients' recovery. It was an asylum a former patient has been quoted as saying. So that in the grounds you know you were safe. It was an asylum and yet you were free. With the moderniz modern with the modern modernization of psychotherapy in the nineteen fifties and sixties, so changed the hospital treatment procedures. Patients were now more likely to be treated with medicines or art or music therapy. <coughs> Severals closed down as a <coughs> psychiatric institute in the early 1990s, with a proportion of the complex remaining open to treat elderly patients. The, the site... The site Okay, the site shut down completely in 1997. And in 1998, Di Diana Giddings released a compressive survey of several's, of several's entailed madness in its place. Narratives of Cyril's Hospital from 1913 to 1997. The book chronicles the 80-year-old the 80-year-old history of the hospital, providing an inside view from patients and staff alike. Despite several attempts at redevelopment, Severals Hospital remains empty. Its ru it ru its ruins are a popular destination for the urban explorers. Though the area has been fenced off and is regularly and is regularly patrolled by security, such, such measures haven't stopped inappropriate travelers from making their way inside, the, uh, inside and emerging with the uh, photographs and their haunting, beautiful, ominous, equal measures. Light, <coughs> light seats into the long connecting corridors with many of the windows once more stripped of glass, the floors are some. Uh, the floors of some rooms are flooded with rainwater. In the old mor uh, morgue, the refrigerator that once held the bodies of the uh, deceased patients still stands. The hospital's main hallway, however, is no longer. It was several. Uh, it was damaged by an arsonist in, in uh, 2005. And then it was demolished in 2007. Not all those who come to the to explore the ruins of the hospital are content to leave only with photographs. 
Graffiti marks the walls, much of it chilling in the decayed surroundings of the abandoned institution. My wounds cry for the grave. It's etched along the wall of one corridor. One on another wall are the, are the words, Death lies within my mind. While the ruins of this uh, hospital seem surprisingly free of the uh, ghost stories that so often uh, corrupt around such places, there's no doubt that the structure and the history haunts the town in which the residents will continue to do so for as long as it stands. Well, I mean, you gotta, that place would be creepy to check out. I'd like to check out some old asylums. You know, because the history there and the death that happened and all the mean shit, you know, there'd be some crazy crap happening there, my friend. All right. All right. Are you ladies and gentlemen ready for the next one? It's a shorty. The next story is the Winningham Hospital in England. Near Preston, Winningham Hospital, Winningham Hospital opened as a psychiatric hospital in 1873. It quickly grew to be the largest mental asylum in Britain. It operated without a hitch until 1967. When it faced controversy after complaints started to arise of mistreatment of patients in the St. Luke's division, especially in the woman's ward. Excuse me. Complaints were horrendous and patients were said to be locked alone in small rooms for days at a time. Life outside in wheelchairs to brave the, to brave the elements. Patients were dragged by their hair in wet towel treatment. I'm not for sure what wet towel treatment is. I'll have to look that up. Which was described as a damp towel being draped around the neck of an unruly patient that is good, that is uh, not behaving and even nurses setting fire to patients' clothing while it was still on their body. What the fuck? What kind of... Who would do that? I mean, you got a pit per... That's what I don't get about these places back then. They was already suffering from mental health. And then y'all jackasses just beat them and pull them by their hair and with wet towels and put their light their fucking clothes on fire. No wonder places like this have a history of hauntings. With all of the negative energy from the hospital's past, it deserves as a it 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 des it deserves its spot on our top ten list. Investigators report feeling a be a feeling of being watched. And even being pushed sometimes if they venture too far into the bowels of the hospital. You'll hear footsteps and voices. Sometimes a little kid playing. So, watch out when you go to that one. 
now. It's in Winningham. So if anybody's in Winningham and knows about this hospital, please tell me about it. I couldn't find a whole lot about it, so <clears throat> maybe somebody out there can send me some more information about it, and I'll go in deeper to it. Okay. If I butcher this up, I am very, very sorry. This one is called the old Changi Changi Hospital in Singapore. In Singapore, sorry about that. With its peeling white walls and forbidding architect, the abandoned old Changi Hospital looks very much like the setting of a horror movie. And indeed, the structure is said to be the most haunted place in Singapore. And it has been the backdrop for at least one found footage of... Anyways, it is the backdrop for one scary movie that they made in Singapore called Haunted Changi. Today, the hospital sits empty at the end of the Halton Road. Dense, vege dense vegetation reclaims the grounds. It's spent of, in spite of its crumbling condition, the surrounding neighborhood is home to chatelets, villas, and seaside resorts. This wasn't always the case. The hospital was built in 1935 to serve the British Royal Air Force, during which time it was called the RAF Hospital. <coughs> the, British with, the British withdrew upon the outbreak of war in the Pacific and the Japanese occupants of Singapore in 1942. During this time, Japan used the hospital as a prison camp for British British soldiers and their allies, as well as anyone considered to be anti-Japanese. The hospital is a, the hospital has also thought to be a base for the Japanese secret police or the Kabita who held jurisdiction over occupant ter territories and prisoners of war. The Kampata had a reputation for ruthlessness, and many believe the prisoners held in the hospital grounds were often tortured to death. In fact, some of the stories claim that the Kampata would impale the would impale the severed heads of executed prisoners on iron spikes outside outside of public of the of public buildings during the the occupation after the war the hospital returned to the british <coughs> for many however it would never be the same most paranormal reports from the hospital tie its spectacle presence to the dark deeds committed during the war after Singapore claimed its independence in 1965, the hospital was renamed the Anux Hospital 
and served members of the Commonwealth Armed Force of Australia and New Zealand in the United Kingdom. Ten years later, the hospital was turned over to the Singapore Armed Forces. Finally, in 1997, the site was closed down entirely. Services were services were transferred to the uh, nearby T T uh, nearby Topo Hospital, which became the new Changi General Hospital. The old GT Hospital slipped into abandonment. Then in 2006, the site was put up for lease. A company purchased the property in hopes of converting the grounds into a luxury resort. The plans soon fell through, however. While the official story, while the official story city's financially, financially reasons, there are some who suspect the hospital's spectacle inhabitants were the octal cause. Over the years, the old Changi Hospital was acquired a substantial reputation for hauntings and unusual happenings. Visitors to the grounds report hearing disembodied screaming and seeing strange shadow people at both day and night. Some claim to have seen the bloody apparition of soldiers... <coughs> Walking the halls, while others have reported the presence of a young boy who simply sits and stares. While filming the uh, movie Haunted Changi, the cast and crew reported a variety of odd occurrences, including sudden loud noises, ghostly voices, sightings of a woman with a black aura, and even contact with the unseen hands. The crew also sub uh the unseen hands. The crew also supposedly captured one of the hospital's shadow people on film in a shot they kept in the final movie. So many encounters have occurred at the old Changi at the old hospital that there's an entire page devoted to the abandoned structure. It just gives you the information where it is. And it's, uh, well, if you want to check it out, there's more. Uh, I'm still going to read more, but here's a place to go. Uh, Hungzai, Singapore, freakiest online ghost stories. Go there and you'll find more ghost stories about this. But I still got more to talk about, so... Numerous legend, numerous legend trippers and paranormal investigators report entering old Changi Hospital, only to have one member disappear. When these missing individuals finally returned, or yeah, finally returned, they each tell a similar story. They had followed what appeared to be a group member away from others, usually to a desolate part of the hospital. As they moved through the hospital corridors, 
this familiar figure would say that they did not belong at Old Changi. The site was dangerous and their group should never return. Upon turning to a darkened corner or exiting the hospital completely, this friend would then vanish into thin air. So could you imagine following somebody, them talking to you, and then there's some bitches disappearing or going just going into a black corner and just being gone. <laughs> that would be weird. Whether the hospital is haunted by ghosts or simply by its own dark history, it's hard to deny the abandoned hospital reputation as one of the most haunted places in Singapore. Oh, that is it. So, if you want to go check that site out and hear more about it, go check that place out. It's called the Changi Hospital. I don't know why I did that. All right. Got two more. All right. Our next story is the Norwich State Hospital in Connecticut. The hospital was built in 1904 primarily as a treatment facility for the criminally insane. Its original two buildings eventually expanded to include over 30, over 30, spread over 470 acres. With many of the buildings connected by underground tunnels, the Norwich State Hospital was built according to the cottage plan rather than the Kirkbride plan, with a central administration center and wards raiding off to the sides like bat wings. Cottage Hospital looked more like college or the uh, okay, the Cottage Hospital looked looked more like. College looked like a college campus with several cottage several cottages connected via underground tunnels with each uh, with each cottage using a different type of patient. The campus also contained doctors, housing attendants, housing laboratories, a greenhouse, a barber shop, and an auditorium, a bakery and a chapel and a recreational facility and a dance hall. The patients growing their food made the North Northwich, Northwich State Hospital state-of-the-art <coughs> at the time. But that did not last long. What was supposed to be the hospital for those adjusted, adjusticated as a criminal, it, <clears throat> What was supposed to be a hospital for those convicted a, as a as criminally insane instead grew into a massive complex to treat the mentally ill. Absolent uh, people with epilepsy, gardric or something, tuberculosis, and a violent population overcrowding was typical. 
and unfortunately, so was torture. From 1909 to 1963, Norwich State Hospital Anyways, the Norwich State Hospital performed sterilization of part of re, uh, removal of body parts. The, uh, oh, what? Nazi Germany comes to mind when people think of econics, econics. But the United States was the first nation to practice economics via sterilization in its practice. Meant to control human procreation was executed at Norwich State Hospital. Visectomies and over... Overrectomies were performed on patients against their will to keep less desirable and defective human beings from oh, proceeding, eliminating them from the general population. So basically what they were doing, you know, because if you get male and females together, eventually somebody's going to be doing the nasty. You know what I mean? They would do that so they wouldn't breed and make more dumb people to them. That's fucked up. That is messed up. Man, the thinking that we were in back then. The whole world. It's crazy. This faculty uh, closure began in the 1970s. Then the state completely shut the uh, faculty down. In 1996, because of a statewide destination, or I don't know, because of a desterilization mandate to provide community service to the mental ill and or mentally ill of treatment in a institutional settings. Only two original buildings remain today, and both are brimming with paranormal activity. Thirteen deaths have occurred at Norwich Hospital, whether by accident, suicide, murder, or as the results of the as results of the permanently released or escaped patients. If it was truly home to the home to Connecticut's worst criminal insane patients, and many of their ghosts still bear witness to the insanity. Deaths that occurred at Norwich State Hospital. A water heater exploded and killed the test the teamster Fred Laid and night watch attendant Thomas Duncan. Then Rachel Brooks was killed by her husband, Solomon Brooks, who escaped from the hospital. Son of a bitch. Then patient Edward K. Arvince hung himself with torn bed linen attached to an iron grating. 
Hospital cook Fred Smith was struck by a car and killed by the supervisor of a nearby tuberculosis sanatorium. What the hell? A trained nurse and former patient, Anna Portulli, committed suicide with a knife only days after discharge. Oh, my God. After being given a mistaken sanative by an attendant, William Smith died from a fatal overdose. So basically, they gave him the wrong drugs, or too much. Then Sheriff Mitchell Coral was killed with a shotgun by Leonard Guzlin, who was about to be committed to Guzlin, then killed himself. Patient... Gregory Gillingsby killed Sherry's Weatherby less than a year after his release. God dang. The patient John Franklin was granted the ability to leave and killed Leonard Franley eight months later. Jesus, quit releasing people. Two police in Spencer, uh, Maine were killed by Robert Lynn who escaped the faculty. God Wow, that place was just ridden with death. A doctor who prefer, who prefers to remain anonymous claims that many inmates were chained to the chairs in the tunnels for days. Addie's patients beat others and some were burned with cigarettes. Damn. Still others endured the torture of uh, failed experiments. See, that's just bad. Four women patients were incorrectly for burial killing their children, for brutally killing their children. Wow. Four women patients were incarcerated for brutally killing their children. That's crazy. Okay. Now, here are some of the buildings on the premises and uh, what they have in them. The, Sa- the Salomon Building, Salomon Hall. Salomon Building was the most notorious building here and served as a maximum security faculty with their most dangerous patients were kept if were kept it had bars on its windows and heavy steel doors and was essentially a jail for the criminal insane orbs are seen floating doors slam shut and moaning can be heard as well it is an Exponentially fearful paranormal haunting ground. <clears throat> so this was uh, the maximum security place. Dangerous patients were kept there. And they say they hear disembodied voices there, footsteps, and other moans and groans. <laughs> All right, what other buildings we have now? Now we have the research building and morgue. Shadow people are witnessed here. 
footsteps have been captured on digital recorders, and so have EV EVPs. Excuse me. The research building once uh, housed rats, mice, and mice, dogs, and monkeys for experimentation. Sci-fi's The Ghost Hunters recorded recorded the sound of a dog whimpering as if someone had kicked it. They could hear animals crying and the sounds of footsteps running down the stairs. Oh, my God. Now we're going to go to the Earl Building. Maintenance used the building to store machinery and other tools of the trade needed to keep a large faculty running smoothly. Heavy metal, heavy metal doors with heavy metal doors slam with a force that would suggest a large angry man was taking out his frustrations. Yet, uh, yet no one was there. Tools from their shells, orbs dart through open spaces. When the team from sci-fi from the sci-fi show Ghost Hunters investigated, they described the number of EVPs they recorded as out of control. Today, Norwich State Hospital is a is in a state of disappear and decay. Not much of it remains. Although Norwich Hospital was added to the National Registration of Historical Places in 1988. The building, uh, buildings remain shattered, or sh shuttered. Paint is peeling. Graffiti is everywhere. And whatever walls are left, the maintenance of the grounds has not been uh, taken care of in decades. Of the thirty original buildings, only two remain standing. The other lay in ruins or have been demolished. It has become a ghost town where real ghosts dwell, which is why one of the this is one of Connecticut's most haunted places. So if you're up there in Connecticut and you've heard about that place, shoot me a message. Let me know about it. All right. Our next story is the Pinhurst Asylum. In Pennsylvania, the Pennhurst Asylum was once known as Pennhurst State School or the Eastern Pennsylvania State Institution for the feebly minded and epileptic, a name that truly shows its age. It was built to house people with physical and mental disabilities. In southern Pennsylvania. After 79 years of pure controversy, it finally closed its doors in December on December 9th of 1987. You may be, may be wonder, wondering what exactly happened at its famous asylum to cause such a drama and suffering over its almost century long tender. Read on to learn. Oh. <laughs> All right, here's the history. In 1903, a growing number of physical and mentally disabled people were in need of care and housing 
in the Spring City, Pennsylvania region. The Pennsylvania legislature authorized the creation of the asylum that same year. More than 4,000 patients were in need, excuse me, were in need of a proper care faculty. And Pennhurst Asylum was indeed to create, created to have, to mm, created a haven for those people and given them specialty care they needed. Two buildings were constructed. One was for the educational and industrial departments. The other was for the custodial and asylum department. The institute was required to house no less than 500 patients or inmates, as they were called at the time. That's fucked up. Okay. From 1903 until 1908, the first buildings were being construct- constructed on the 634-acre property. The dining halls, kitchen and storerooms, cottages, teachers, homes, laundries, and power stations were also created alongside the main housing units. The Pennhurst Asylum campus is massive. A small city all on its own with other 30 buildings. The buildings were designed by Philip H. Johnson, who had two stories and were made of terracotta, granite, and red brick. They were all connected with fireproof tunnels and walkways used for transporting residents from building to building. On November 23, 1908, patient number one was admitted to the hospital. Within four years, the uh, penthouse asylum was overcrowded and under the pressure of the state to start admitting immigrants. Oh, my God. Admitting uh, immigrants, orphans, and even criminals. As prisons were also being too full. Residents were admitted and classified into a mental categories of imbecile. Oh my God. Of imbecile or insane. That's fucked up. They would categorize people. You're either an imbecile or you're insane. Into the uh, physical categories of ep- ep- epileptic or healthy. And into dental categories as good, poor, or treated teeth. Upon their arrival, residents were then assigned a job, such as shoemaking, farming, laundry, sewing, painting, or mattress making, to name a few things. All right, now the mentally health misunderstood. In 1913, the knowledge and awareness of mental health disorders were highly misunderstood. State legislators declared that disabled people were unfit for citizenship and posed a menace to to the peace. See, that's so fucked up. And thus 
recommended a program of custodial care. Furthermore, legislators desired preventing the intermixing of genes of the house at the asylum and the general population. Penhurst chief Penhurst chief physician quoted Henry H. Godward, uh, ethnist, an equinist. Every fearable minded person is a potential criminal. The general public, although more convicted today than ever before, that is a good thing to segregate the idiot or the or the imbecile. They have not as yet been convicted as to the proper treatment of the defective person, which is the brighter and more dangerous individual. Okay. Guys, a little cuckoo there, Henry H. Goddard. <coughs> a heartbreaking and completely irrational statement. The treatment of patients, especially those who had more uh, swerved dis- more s- severe disabilities, were treated horrendously. Conditions at the asylum were finally exposed. In 1968, when a local news station aired a five-part report on the asylum. Again, in 1981, a Time Magazine article described Penhurst as of having a history of being understaffed, dirty, and violent. And in 1983, nine asylum employees were indicted on charges of slapping and beating patients, including those in wheelchairs, and arranging for patients to fight one another. Oh, my God. The Halderman case. On May thirtieth, 1974, a class action lawsuit was filed on behalf of the current and former residents of the Penhurst Asylum. The lawsuit acquired, or the lawsuit accused the patients' rights were violated at Penhurst and that those were caused through suffering should be held responsible. Basically, it's saying those who were held, those who were mistreating these patients should be held responsible. After a 30-day trial, U.S. District Court, uh, yeah, court, Judge Raymond J., Broderick found the penthouse was indeed over overcrowded, understaffed, and lacked the programs needed to care for residents. He found the uh, various forms of residents were used as a result of lack of staff, including okay, including seclusion rooms physical resistance and even physical oh and even uh psychedelic drugs so they would give these motherfuckers drugs like that on purpose the envi- the environment of the building was found to be hazardous 
to the existence that it was not only it was not only not conductive to learning new skills but it is so poor that it contributes to losing skills already learned residents also found to have been abused by other residents and staff the report who the reporter who first broke the story about penhurst were completely horrified by the conditions. Bill Badeney, the young reporter who headed the story, said, We started shooting. My crew was morphed. I mean, I had trouble keeping them on the job because they were literally getting sick from the saw or sick from what they saw. Children were tied to beds. Residents were... Whoa were immaculated and naked and words of god dang it i hate it when i gotta flip the pages was it naked and words of infants which means they had a lot of infants and children from the ages of six months to five years they were clustered together in a Metal, oh, they were clustered together in metal and metal cages. Some people were even left to lie on their own waste for days. This abuse and uh, negative energy left an Im imprint on Penhurst in the land it sets on. And this is evidenced by the staggering amount of hauntings that are reported here today. <laughs> the hauntings. Today, the building has bore witness to more than a few ghost haunting crews searching for answers and to communicate with the patients who never left the walls of the asylum. The sprawling network of buildings and tunnels were left abandoned and tortured spirits were released within the uh, confines of Penhurst. Staff and caretakers of the property say that the building as well as the underground tunnel network excuse me and severely haunted by the excuse me spirits of the patients who suffered and died there. Reports of slamming doors, disembodied voices, footsteps and voices and sounds of vomiting and crying are heard from the seemingly empty rooms some witnesses have even reported the apparition of a little girl roaming around the campus looking perplexed and a bit lost the sound of children playing crying is also common occurrence most of these spirits at penhurst are believed to be friendly just looking for some fun living in the uh living to communicate or to communicate or to living to communicate with to tell their story reports of satanic worship have even came from the property okay now the asylum today a site of overworldly urban decay the asylum sets stagnant with twisting vines and roots weaving uh, weaving and out of the buildings and 
it almost seems as if nature is trying to reclaim these stones to destroy the unnatural happenings that took place here. Inside these tombs are hallways filled with old laundry totes sacked with multiple clothes and linens, layers of graffiti, rusted wheelchairs, and rain and rain sneaking in. Raw negative emotions filled the halls of the Penhurst years ago. And most of the heaviness hasn't left. It's ingrained in the walls, the floors, the ceilings. Today, Penthouse sits as part of a haunted attraction, a part memorially to the dead. It is hoped that we do not forget what happened here, as it is necessary to remember the mistakes of the past to prevent them from happening again. Well, I hope you guys and gals enjoyed that. That is it for today. I will be back Saturday morning. You will find my podcast at 3 o'clock in the morning, Saturday morning, baby. It will be back. I'm on schedule. I just had a little little fun this weekend. <laughs> but I didn't mean to let you down, guys. But I'm back on track. Don't worry about it. So, just want to say thank you once again for listening to everybody who listens. And uh, just thank you and keep telling your friends about it and pass the word on, man. We'll see you guys later. Have a good one, man. And be spooky and be scary. This is Stephen Lebooth from Ghost Stories Told from the South. See you later, ma'am. Bye.